Hi, and welcome to the Still Telling It Like It Is program. If you were with us last week, you heard Apostle Barry and I mean, the teaching anointing, the teaching thing. It was like a corporate type thing that was just all all up in him and coming out. And I want you to invite your friends, your enemies, your family, whatever it is, those people that ticked you off or pissed you off at Thanksgiving, invite them to come on, those in the church, all of it, those that are ready to move or or thinking about moving from the church age into the kingdom age, into the apostolic age. And so here's Apostle Barry, come on in and, uh, you know, uh, continue to let the spirit of God work in and through you. My God. My friend, my friend, my friend. Amen. Well, we're continuing talking about um, distinct features of apostolic training. And um, and that's kind of where we left off today uh, uh, from uh, the week before Thanksgiving. And so um, just to pick back up on that, I think I'll start with the scripture in Acts 19, verses 8 and 9. And in Acts 19, it's really a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful um, chapter, honestly, throughout the whole thing. Paul's battling with, you know, with witches and all kinds of uh, uh, thing, other things and spirits that are coming against him. He's, he's preaching, he's traveling, he goes into, into the territory and he goes into Ephesus, he finds believers, he said, Hey guys, what have you you know? What have you heard about? What you've been? What kind of? What have they been preaching to you guys? And they said, Well, they've been preaching salvation to us and the baptism of repentance. He said, Oh, well then let me tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, that's called an apostolic upgrade. See, a lot of people only preach what they are familiar with, but but because apostles build and the apostolic builds, it preaches on missing messages and territories. That's why oftentimes when apostles preach on subjects, it irritates, makes people, some people sad, some people mad, and a, and a few people glad, <laughs> you know, and then you have to work with the glad. And that's what Paul did. And that's why I chose the scripture. Look at what it says. It says, and it came to pass, uh, well, that's uh, way, that's at the top. Let's not read the whole chapter. <laughs> Let's go to eight and nine. <laughs> and uh, Okay. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, I just want to tell you, he's going into a church that he knows preaches opposite to preach a different message. And he's challenging their leaders to dispute and persuade with him about the truth. So first off, have your people that call themselves apostles and a chicken to do, and don't have the mind to do this kind of stuff should not be calling themselves apostles yet. They might be an apostle in training. You know, you have bishop elects. We should have apostle elects. I was thinking the other day when I was talking to somebody and he was, you know, you know who they are. He was explaining to me about bishop elect and what that meant and everything else. And I was Okay, that's cool. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, we should have Apostle X because some of these rascals up in here need to be, they ain't being tested. They ain't being vetted. You know, they got a little bit of revelation that they're repeating. They got a new twist on the scripture and they think that qualifies them. But this is the kind of stuff that makes apostles stand out. You don't wonder if Paul was an apostle because of the way he thought and the way he acted and the things he did, his response to stuff was different. 
everybody else, oh, you can't go over there and preach. He's like, quit doing that to me. This is my assignment. I got work to do. Like, you don't, don't, you know, don't be a hindrance to me. Like Jesus, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what's, what? I thought I was a man. I was upon this rock you're going to build. You just told me that last chapter. <laughs> but this chapter, you telling me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's apostolic training. So we're working, working somewhere. In verse nine, it, it says, but when, um, <laughs> but when a different, uh, when they were hardened and believed not, when different of the people were hardened and believed not, they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. And so what did Paul do? He departed from them, separated the disciples. So what he did is he preached in there long enough to see which ones he had converted or had interest. And then, so he was just throwing the net. He knew he was going to get rejected. He was just trying to throw the net in the middle to get a new harvest so he could start a new church. <laughs> and that's why I'm saying we're such pansies the way we try to do things these days. These, I mean, this is an apostolic method right here. This is not a, you know, um, download your start a church program method. They're not going to give you this kind of stuff. But this is in your Bible already. And there's different ways that God will use our personalities to do this in different situations. Um, and, and so it's not every personality is the same or every approach, but the concepts will all be done. And it says he separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of Tyrannius. So he kept, he separated the ones that were believing, but he kept, he kept the pressure on a larger group looking for more converts. Again, you know, we, we get a few little people and then we stop there. And the exact the momentum comes when it's like people say to me, "You do that because you're an evangelist." I'm like, I am not. That's not. I, I have never felt like I'm still to this. I do it because it's mandatory if I want somebody to talk to. I mean, you know, you can't. What are you gonna preach in empty seats and blame it on God? Uh, I don't think so. That's stupid. That's why Amy Simple McPherson, people used to give her such a heart. I understood her. She was like, why do you bring animals in? She said, I hate preaching to empty seats. I'm like, right? I mean, because if you'll notice, as soon as she, she'd bring all the people in, she'd bring the animal out, bring it right out. It would come in and straight out, and she'd start fire preaching at them. I'm like, she ain't messing with those. She ain't lying to them people. It ain't about the animals. She just got people in the building and then clobbered them. I mean, and she's working miracles the whole time. So she's hitting on five or six angles at the same time. And so because some apostolic people are like, I don't need all that stuff in my no, you don't, but you you pull them fishies up in the tank, you got to pull put stuff on the, you know, I don't use no lights. I agree. Lights isn't, you know, the head out, so on and so forth. But what I can do is I can put them lights on and lure all them heathens up in there. And then as soon as they come in there, I'll smack them lights off and say, now I want you to turn in your Bibles. <laughs> and you know what? What are they going to do? Anyway, sorry. I get excited about this. But and this continually by a space of two years so that all which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. And a lot of people say, I just had this discussion on a Zoom the other day with somebody, because they were saying, well, in this portion of, I know, I know you know me, I try my best to hush. But, you know, and, and they're like, well, in Paul, all he didn't, 
he didn't keep evangelizing. I'm saying it says he did both the whole time he was there. He never quit going to that synagogue and trying to get converts. He never quit going to the opposing school. He was going to the opposing school in town and debating their professors to get better caliber of converts. I mean, that's apostolic, girl. That challenges me. I mean, I'm like, Lord Jesus, I need to, I need to get a roll in that. I'm not quite that diversified. But, you know, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is we're talking about distinctive features of apostolic training. And, and last time we left off talking about training focuses on renewing concepts. It's, it's not just, you know, you're going to be okay. It's not just stroking you back. It's tackling things that are built up in you over time that you need to dismantle so that you don't have to depend on me. I'm not trying to make you dependent on me. I mean, that's the thing. People, I, I don't want to go to counseling, then I'll be dependent on you. No, no. If the counselor is making you dependent on you, you're the wrong kind of counselor anyway, you know, because they should be trying to get you to stand on your own. And um, also, you know, training provides a platform for sharing your full convictions <laughs> without compromise. And there's one level of teaching you can do with the general crowd, but I always tell people, they'll ask me, um, would you would you like to just uh, do a, a breakfast uh, on Saturday morning? Would you like to meet the men or would you like to do a Bible college class? I'm like, either the men or the Bible college class, because both of them I'm going to I'm going to come. I'm going to know no limit. And I just say that because I talk I'm going to talk to the men about men's stuff straight out. Yeah, I'm honest. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna talk about how I got through stuff. I'm gonna talk about real struggles of the mind, of the ego, of the. I mean, I'm just saying, and it's. But I'm looking for avenues, and the reason I say Bible college, but even now today, though, most of the Bible colleges are candy. I mean, I'm serious. Like you still, it's still candy. There ain't nobody act like they had training camp in there. Matter of fact, you even try to put somebody, no, 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 I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm like, why'd you get in here? Why didn't you just go to a class, a normal membership class or something then, or your, you know, foundation class, because you're not ready for this class yet. Because that's not, that's not training for real field action. And that's the difference. And, and, and then you get people that say, I don't know why you give them favor. And it's like, because they're, they want to, they get in the trenches. They say, here I am. You want me to crawl on my belly in the dirt today to learn this? I'll do it. You want me to jump up? You want me to get soaking wet and stand here in the sun and hold this thing over my head? I will. I mean, I, and I'm giving metaphors to spiritual things, but you want me to stand here and pray in tongues and prophesy? Okay, I've never done it before, but I'll do it. Then, how? I don't know. But you, you're you expecting it. I see you do it. So I'm guessing I'll find it. It's just a different breed of people. And you know that that's what Paul's, he separated those kind from the other kind and pulled them to himself. So it's like when people say, I think I've said it to you before, when folks say to me, well, you know, it's just not fair because you give them favor. I'm like, no, you, you can have favor. You can have the same favor. Jump in line. Come on in here. Come on in. Come on in. Pick up your uniform and your dog tags. <laughs> We're going to shave your head right in the spirit real quick and come on through. You know, but when you come through, you're going to be fully functional. That's the thing. 
You'll know how to pray. You'll know how to stand for your house. You'll know how to discern whether it's a devil, whether it's a world or whether it's your flesh. You'll know how to understand whether your mind just needs to be renewed or maybe you got a little bit of a spirit over it, but it's mainly a, an old mindset that you need to beat down with. new. I mean, you'll understand and you'll know how to attack it. That's one of the main differences that I see that people who have really been trained apostolically, they live on the offense and not on the defense. Um, and I don't mean they're trying to be offended, nor do I mean they're just arrogant person that don't care. And I'm a, I'm a king, I'm a queen, bless you, you get out of my way. I ain't talking about arrogance. I'm talking about a confidence in figuring out who you are and what you are, and you just ain't got no time for crap. You know, it's like you spend enough time and you don't want to spend no more time in no piggy pens if you don't have to. You don't got out of that piggy pen. We don't want to go back in that piggy pen, you know. And, um, and after they got the devil cast out of them, they were sitting, they were clothed, and they were in their right mind. Um, before that, you know, they was naked. They was crazy, you know, and, and, and they couldn't hold still. I mean, there's people today that can't hold still. There's people today that they can't focus for five minutes. And sometimes you need a spirit, but most of the time it's because you've been getting away with not being self-disciplined your entire life. So any type of self-discipline to you looks like abuse. Well, my, you know, my boss said something to me because I was late. Well, how many times have you been late? But that's not the point. Yeah, it is the point. I mean, it don't matter what color you are, you're late, you're late, you know? Um, you know, because people come up with all kinds of reasons. Well, that's just because I'm like, if you know you're late, just be on time. I mean, why are you arguing? You're comparing yourself with somebody who's breaking, breaking it, not doing it right. So you want to have your integrity level lower because they do. You're still not in control of your life. You're still a victim. You know, still a victim to what other people are doing. You decide who you are. You decide who you are and what you're going to do. And then you stick with it, you know. And, and I just say this because leaders today, we got to understand and we have to have environments that we can share our full convictions with the people that we're training. Yes, we'll have other environments, plenty of them. But we must have environments and this is the main thing I think about whenever people talk about, well, are they a real son or are they a real daughter or whether they're just a servant or whether just a, you know, I think it really boils down to the people that you can, you can share, you can shoot with, you can share, shoot means straight. You can be straight with them about questions they ask about the Bible or beliefs and that other people you'd take a while and try to soften it a little and bring it in where it doesn't hurt you know, you get them in that environment, you're expecting them to be able to respond. And um, and that's why you've heard me tell stories, even when I've been president of Bible colleges and stuff, and I started them, I come in and I'll, sometimes after a couple months, I just come in and sit in the front. And I'm like, well, I died today. So what are you going to do? Are we not having Bible college anymore? Y'all don't know how to start? Y'all don't know what happens next? What's the class? Who's going to teach it? I mean, you all studied your homework, right? Who's ready to teach it to help this bring this into a discussion? And it drives them nuts. They feel so intimidated. They feel bad, but there's always a couple of them. They say, well, I'll do it. I said, well, then come on up. 
And then after they, they get going and take off, I'm like, good job. You can sit down now. Thank you. That was a good example of what we need. Because under duress is where you're going to find out whether you're going to draw, withdraw or you're going to rise to the top. But that's training leaders for the real world action. And we don't train like that in churches. We train like pansies and we get pansies. We train passive and we get passive people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, you said something that I think a lot of people deal with. You know, um, my doctor's in psychology, and I love it because you have, uh, uh, you know, you have a lot of insight in that. You have a lot of training and stuff like that in that too. But here's one of the things people look at some of the situations and stuff, and then they make themselves a victim. Uh, we, um, we're on the same council. We're on the council. Mm -hmm senior council of love and unity and it's not because i'm old that i'm on the senior council <laughs> uh, but i'm the only son in a female body yeah. okay have you ever heard me uh, uh make an excuse have you ever heard i mean i don't try to be like any of you because yeah. i know who i am and i yeah. know the strong points yeah, yeah. Know where I I know where my part of this membership is. We're members. I think what we have done, we have taken that word members and made them members of a church rather than members of the church. I'm a member, and whether I'm a hand, I'm an eye, I'm an arm, I'm a leg, I'm a whatever it is, that member uh um it, it helps the other members of that body. Mm -hmm. That corporate thing, but if I am not secure in who I am, then I will be in competition. I will not want to pull out and say, God, raise me. See, here's one of my prayers God, raise me to uh, uh, let me see spiritually what He is seeing so that I can incorporate that into where it is and what it is that I'm doing. And before I minister or before I bring something forth, God, bring them to this place where it's to this elevation that you have me in this subject where you have anointed me and you have appointed me where I know that I'm that member, that leading, that breaking through, that apostolic breaking through, bring them to that place so that it can add to them. And Here's here's one of the things I don't be talking about because my grandparents were slaves, because I'm black, because I'm a woman, because I'm I, I, I wear a wig, because I wear glasses, because I'm 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 uh, uh, tall, because I'm loud, because whatever it is, all of those are attributes. All of those are, are things that created the, the, the part of me that makes me present the way that I, I'm supposed to present. And you touched on that a few minutes ago. And in that, I mean, you are you are such a unique person. But the thing of it is, is this, I listen to you. But I'm saying, God, take me into this trail that he's going in. Take me there so that I can use that in my part of the body so that it's not... Um, uh, a deterrent, but it's it it's it's an addition. I don't know if I made any sense with that comment or not, but yeah, yeah, you did. I mean, you did, and and and, and, and I I just want to put this back in in perspective also and say that you know the intensity of the people 
the way that they pull, just like people that got miracles in the Bible, it, you know, well, she never come to me and asked me. I mean, the people in the scriptures wouldn't have got miracles had that been their attitude. They, it was all the people that extended their faith, their hunger towards something. And, and I say that because the intensity of their hunger for spiritual truths and the passion of their pursuit for it can cause a greater release of revelation from the heart of the trainer. That's what I'm speaking of. And often people are like, well, I'm not getting nothing here. That could be the again the position of your own soil. I mean, your what you're sowing, you're getting back according to your own condition of your heart. You know, the scripture says, "You deep will call unto deep." Jesus could do no mighty miracles because of unbelief in certain areas in Matthew thirteen. Jesus, Jesus was hindered. I mean, Jesus, I thought he know everything. He'd do anything. He can, but he works in conjunction. He's not going to overtake you. You have to pursue things that you want. And many guys, many ministers are dying within their four walls of whatever they're in uh, because of unhealthy spiritual state of their own people, their own people. It is so unhealthy, it's killing them. And the people who surround us can either release the power of God in us uh, uh, or, or keep us in bondage through their own unbelief. They can make us think we are not anointed. And then we go out and preach and everybody's getting saved and blessed and miracles are, and you're thinking, what, what what's happening here, you know? And a lot of times that has to do with people go out and they're in that mode. They come back home and they're in the, hey, guys, it's so good to see. No, it was the mode out there that changed it. You were in mission mode. You got back home and you're in la-la land, clicking your heels together, hoping to be over a rainbow. There ain't no place like heaven. There ain't no place like heaven. Go ahead. Click your heels together, girl. You ain't going to get nothing but a puppy, you know, and a stupid tin man and a... <laughs> Anyway, Lord Jesus, I know, I know, I know. People who surround us, though, they can either help us or hurt us. Mark chapter 5, verse 30, you know, spiritual virtue flows out of a touch of faith, you know, and often the greater enlarging, uh, uh, the greater enlarging that takes place in our own spirits as trainees makes a demand on the spiritual supply. In one of my books on the prophetic, uh, I got the very first chapter is called Supply and Demand because it's talk, because every scripture on the prophetic has to do with you pursuing it. You pursue spiritual gifts. So I What's the name of that book? What's the, um, tell me the name of the book? Establishing Your Course Through the Prophetic Anointing. It's, it's this one, Doc. <laughs> it's on Amazon, yeah. It was the very first chapters on supply. I, I'm not wasn't trying to sell a book. I, I was just trying to use that as a, you know, because I, I want them to know about your book. So, so on here we can do that. Supply and demand, very first chapter, and it's just all about how we have reservoirs and we have to make demands on one another's reservoir. We have to recognize it, and then as we recognize it, we make demands on it. And then it grows in us and it causes a deeper level to come out of the people we're making demand, a demand on. 
that's how it works. We're cross-pollinating our gifts, our callings, our anointing, our graces. But first off, we have to not think we know everything. <laughs> and we have to think other people have something we might need, in which they do. And at the same time, maintain our identity, our identity. Because some people are, try to steal your identity. They're, you know, they're identity thieves. And uh, they're trying to take your identity out of you and give you theirs. You know, no, you got to hand me your cards and you got to hand me your identity and then I'll make you another one. You know, I'll give it I'll give it back to you when you need it. You know what? You better give me my passport back today. Are we fighting? I'm telling you what you can't have my, you know, you get my ID, my, my driver's license, my passport, my Social Security. And you'll hold it for me. What you my pimp? Anyway, sorry. It just gets me so upset, you know, and, you know, anything you get is mine. Anything given to you in is mine. Anything, anybody, somebody throws it, slips a hundred dollars in your hand. You give it to me. It's not yours. I'm like, you know what? What about all them hundreds? You ain't sharing none of yours. Anyway, it's just stupid, stupid stuff. But there's good leaders that care about us and our development. And I, I know we just got minutes yet, and I'm not near done, but absolute training must be free to express and release our convictions to those with whom we're training. Any questions asked by the trainees should be in an, in an attitude to clarify and not to confront, because you're going to have a bunch of, th- I had to learn that the hard way too. You're going to have a bunch of things that you don't, you believe the different way, and you hear somebody teach. And that's why we have to be able to say, I mean, my dad drilled this in me as a kid, and I, it caused me more trouble, but it also caused me not to get in a lot of trouble. And that was, he would always tell me, you're never wrong asking questions. And if you're wrong asking questions, you're in the wrong place. And he said, whether that's business or church or school, whatever, if you can't ask questions, and, and you and he would always tell me, but if you ask, well, I won't say how he said it, but if you ask like a a-hole, you know, you better be expect to be treated like one. But if you ask respectfully and they still disrespected, you've still done the right thing. You're becoming a, a good man. And that's more important than you, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, this is true. And I say that because so many people, well, I asked my pastor a question. He got me. Well, it's because in front of all those folks, you dissed him, disrespected him, coming. You're not right. You don't know what you're talking about. That is not correct. And here you, you don't even know the Bible. And that man run you through 20 scriptures and still loved you and was good to you. And you mad at him because he corrected you in front of people after you confronted him in front of people. Crazy folks. You ain't thinking. You're not thinking. You need to be dipped. But I'm talking about apostolic training. That's why sometimes people don't get training. It isn't because people aren't willing to train you. It's because of your approach. <laughs> you can't, can't approach people. <laughs> In the wrong manner. I know, I'm sorry, 27, 27 uh, minutes into it here, but um, we have to be able to bring. The Apostle Paul immediately withdrew from the company of those uh, who dwelt in doubt, unbelief, hardness of heart. He still preached to them, but he didn't pull them into no training situations because it was just a game to them. And he didn't want that taken away from the people he was training up. That's why, again, I'm so sick of folk getting jealous about me. He just gives them favor. He gives them favor because they listen, they take notes, and they do it. You just use your information and your access to throw names around and get get into another spot, but you still never become those things. Still can't ask you to pray, or you're going to balk at it. 
Still can't ask you to prophesy. That's not my thing. Still can't ask you to come pray pray for this person. They need healing in their life. But Apostle, that's not my thing. I'm I'm hospitality tonight. My God. Okay. Okay. We're out of time. We're out of time. We're out of time. I know that you've enjoyed this because I have. Apostle Barry, uh, you hit so many nuggets. You've hit so many things. And I'm so glad that you're with me for quite a while until we get through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to do this. We will do this. And this is this is Apostle Baker J. Baker and Apostle Barry Cook coming to you still telling it like it is. And God wants this for you. That's the reason that we're continuing. It's not about us. It is about you preparing you for doing what you have been called, anointed and appointed to do. So we'll see you next week. Uh, when we're here still, telling it like it is. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.